Chapter 14 of Louisa de la Valliere. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines. Louisa de la Valliere by Alexander Dumas. Chapter 14 The King's Supper. The king, while these matters were being arranged, was sitting at the supper table, and the not very large number of guests for that day had taken their seats too after the usual gesture intimating the royal permission. At this period of Louis the Fourteenth's reign, although etiquette was not governed by the strict regulations subsequently adopted, the French court had entirely thrown aside the traditions of good fellowships and patriarchal affability existing in the time of Henry the Fourth, which the suspicious mind of Louis the Thirteenth had gradually replaced with pompous state and ceremony which he despaired of being able fully to realize the king therefore was seated alone at a small separate table which like the desk of a president overlooked the adjoining tables although we say a small table we must not omit to add that this small table was the largest one there moreover it was the one on which were placed the greatest number and quantity of dishes consisting of fish game meat fruit vegetables and preserves the king was young and full of vigor and energy, very fond of hunting, addicted to all violent exercises of the body, possessing, besides, like all members of the Bourbon family, a rapid digestion and an appetite speedily renewed. Louis the Fourteenth was a formidable table companion. He delighted in criticizing his cooks, but when he honored them by praise and commendation, the honor was overwhelming. The king began by eating several kinds of soup, either mixed together or taken separately. He intermixed, or rather separated, each of the soups by a glass of old wine. He ate quickly and somewhat greedily. Porthos, who from the beginning had, out of respect, been waiting for a jog of D'Artagnan's arm, seeing the king make such rapid progress, turned to the musketeer and said in a low voice, it seems as if one might go on now his majesty is very encouraging from the example he sets look the king eats said d'artagnan but he talks at the same time try and manage matters in such a manner that if he should happen to address a remark to you he will not find you with your mouth full which would be very disrespectful the best way in that case said porthos is to eat no supper at all and yet i am very hungry i admit and everything looks and smells most invitingly as if appealing to all my senses at once don't think of not eating for a moment said d'artagnan that would put his majesty out terribly the king has a saying that he who works well eats well and he does not like people to eat indifferently at his table how can i avoid having my mouth full if i eat said porthos all you have to do replied the captain of the musketeers is simply to swallow what you have in it whenever the king does you the honor to address a remark to you very good said porthos and from that moment he began to eat with a certain well-bred enthusiasm the king occasionally looked at the different persons who were at table with him and an connoisseur could appreciate the different dispositions of his guests monsieur du vallon he said Porthos was enjoying a salmi de lievre and swallowed half of the back his name pronounced in such a manner made him start and by a vigorous effort of his gullet he absorbed the whole mouthful 
sire replied porthos in a stifled voice but sufficiently intelligible nevertheless let those fillets d'agneau be handed to monsieur du vallon said the king do you like brown meats monsieur du vallon sire i like everything replied porthos d'artagnan whispered everything your majesty sends me porthos repeated everything your majesty sends me an observation which the king apparently received with great satisfaction people eat well who work well replied the king delighted to have and tete a guest who could eat as porthos did porthos received the dish of lamb and put a portion of it on his plate well said the king exquisite said porthos calmly have you as good mutton in your part of the country monsieur du vallon continued the king sire i believe that from my own province as everywhere else the best of everything is sent to paris for your majesty's use but on the other hand i do not eat lamb in the same way your majesty does ah ah and how do you eat it generally i have a lamb dressed whole whole yes sire in what manner monsieur du vallon in this sire my cook who is a german first stuffs the lamb in question with small sausages he procures from strasbourg forcemeat balls from troyes and larks from pithivier by some means or other which i am not acquainted with he bones the lamb as he would do a fowl leaving the skin on however which forms a brown crust all over the animal when it is cut in beautiful slices in the same way as an enormous sausage a rose-colored gravy pours forth which is as agreeable to the eye as it is exquisite to the palate and porthos finished by smacking his lips the king opened his eyes with delight and while cutting some of the faisan duf which was handed to him he said that is a dish i should very much like to taste monsieur du vallon is it possible a whole lamb absolutely an entire lamb sire pass those pheasants to monsieur du vallon i perceive he is an amateur the order was immediately obeyed then continuing the conversation he said and you do not find the lamb too fat no sire the fat falls down at the same time as the gravy does and swims on the surface then the servant who carves removes the fat with a spoon which i have had expressly made for that purpose where do you reside inquired the king at pierrefonds sire at pierrefonds where is that monsieur du vallon near belle isle oh no sire pierrefonds is in the Sosonnet. i thought you alluded to the lamb on account of the salt marshes no sire i have marshes which are not salt it is true but which are not the less valuable on that account the king had now arrived at the entremont but without losing sight of porthos who continued to play his part in the best manner you have an excellent appetite monsieur du vallon said the king and you make an admirable guest at table ah sire if your majesty were ever to pay a visit to pierrefonds we would both of us eat our lamb together for your appetite is not an indifferent one by any means d'artagnan gave porthos a kick under the table which made porthos color up at your majesty's present happy age said porthos in order to repair the mistake he had made i was in the musketeers and nothing could ever satisfy me then your majesty has an excellent appetite as i have already had the honor of mentioning but you select what you eat with quite too much refinement to be called for one moment a great eater 
The king seemed charmed at his guest's politeness. "'Will you try some of these creams?' he said to Porthos. "'Sire, your majesty treats me with far too much kindness to prevent me speaking the whole truth.' "'Pray do so, Monsieur du Vallon.' "'Well, sire, with regard to sweet dishes, I only recognize pastry, and even that should be rather solid. All these frothy substances swell the stomach and occupy a space which seems to me to be too precious to be so badly tenanted.' "'Ah, gentlemen,' said the king, indicating Porthos by a gesture, "'here is indeed a model of gastronomy.' it was in such a manner that our fathers who so well knew what good living was used to eat while we added his majesty do nothing but tantalize with our stomachs and as he spoke he took the breast of a chicken with ham while porthos attacked a dish of partridges and quails the cupbearer filled his majesty's glass give monsieur du vallon some of my wine said the king this was one of the greatest honors of the royal table d'artagnan pressed his friend's knee if you could only manage to swallow the half of that boar's head i see yonder said he to porthos i shall believe you to be a duke and peer within the next twelve months presently said porthos phlegmatically i shall come to that by and by in fact it was not long before it came to the boar's turn for the king seemed to take pleasure in urging on his guest he did not pass any of the dishes to porthos until he had tasted them himself and he accordingly took some of the boar's head. Porthos showed that he could keep pace with his sovereign, and instead of eating the half, as D'Artagnan had told him, he ate three-fourths of it. It is impossible, said the king in an undertone, that a gentleman who eats so good a supper every day, and who has such beautiful teeth, can be otherwise than the most straightforward, upright man in my kingdom. Do you hear? said D'Artagnan in his friend's ear yes i think i am rather in favor said porthos balancing himself on his chair oh you are in luck's way the king and porthos continued to eat in the same manner to the great satisfaction of the other guests some of whom from emulation had attempted to follow them but were obliged to give up halfway the king soon began to get flushed and the reaction of the blood to his face announced that the moment of repletion had arrived it was then that Louis the Fourteenth, instead of becoming gay and cheerful, as most good livers generally do, became dull, melancholy, and taciturn. Porthos, on the contrary, was lively and communicative. D'Artagnan's foot had more than once to remind him of this peculiarity of the king. The dessert now made its appearance. The king had ceased to think anything further of Porthos. He turned his eyes anxiously towards the entrance door and he was heard occasionally to inquire how it happened that monsieur de saint Agno was so long in arriving at last at the moment when his majesty was finishing a pot of preserved plums with a deep sigh saint Agno appeared the king's eyes which had become somewhat dull immediately began to sparkle the comte advanced towards the king's table and louis rose at his approach every one got up at the same time including porthos who was just finishing an almond cake capable of making the jaws of a crocodile stick together the supper was over end of chapter fourteen recording by dion jines salt lake city utah